Welcome to Radio Naturopath, the talk show about health and natural medicine. This show will first be broadcast on Wednesday, October 11, 2023, on 91.7 FM, WHUS Storks. I am Fran Storch, ND, naturopathic physician, with my co-host, Ron Manizza. We're coming to you live from beautiful Mansfield Hollow, Connecticut. Comment below to let us know you're here and ask questions. You can email me at radionaturopath at gmail.com. If you'd like to listen to the show at another time, you can check out our podcast at whus.org, iTunes, Spotify, Patreon, and Buzzsprouts. You can also check out my Facebook page and Instagram at FranStorchND. The views expressed on this program do not reflect the views of the staff, management, or licensee of this station. The information presented on this show should not be construed as medical advice or direction. If you're having a medical condition, please consult with your physician. So how's my orthopedics and, and pots and lime and stuff going? Yeah, that stuff. In terms of the lime stuff, I think I'm almost ready to stop taking things because I'm doing pretty well. Uh, a few things happened. One was that I finished the antibiotic when I was on, on vacation and continued to take the special probiotic, the Saccharomyces boulardii. I didn't take the Saccharomyces boulardii today. I'm not sure I'll start taking it again. I'm taking a regular probiotic right now because um, when you've taken an antibiotic, first you want to take Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a probiotic yeast that can't be killed by your antibiotic while during the course and a little bit after your antibiotic course. And then when you're done the antibiotic, some people do fine without taking a probiotic in a pill. They do fine with just getting probiotic from their food, from organic produce, from fermented foods, from all the places that you normally get probiotics. Uh, I'm choosing to take a really good probiotic. I have one that I love that has many strains in it. Um, it has strains for everyday use, you know, for your general health, immunity, and your digestive system. And it also has a number of strains that are found to be elevated in women who don't tend to get vaginal yeast infections and urinary tract infections. So it's a women's probiotic. And the probiotic pill, I, I noticed that the probiotic pill looked a little bit pink and I wondered why that was. That's interesting. I don't think that probiotics are generally pink. Then I read the ingredients carefully and realized that there's cranberry in this probiotic. I said, yes, that's really good because cranberry is a wonderful antioxidant. It has proanthocyanins in it. It's good for your um, for your vascular health. And it's also good for, um, there's anti-adhesiveness factor in cranberry, which can help to protect you from getting urinary tract infections. So I got a little bit of everything. I got a little cranberry, got a whole bunch of probiotic, and I got some um, women probiotics. So uh, it, it's really good. And things are working well in that department. Not, not too bad. Um, so that's good. Um, in terms of getting dysautonomia symptoms, I've sort of used using a working diagnosis of POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, and I feel like I need to do a whole piece on POTS because people have it. It's it's really, it's something that can be debilitating. It can be a little debilitating. It can be a lot debilitating, and the symptoms come and go, and when Ron and I looked at my symptom picture, I have a lot of the symptoms. Although when I stand up, I don't always get tachycardia specifically because POTS is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Um, and so, but what I do get is lightheadedness on standing if I'm, if I'm in a flare. And then the other symptoms I may get, I may get a migraine. Haven't had one of those since before Florida. So that was in late September. So that's great. I have been, haven't been getting headaches. It's wonderful. Um, and I may also get... I can get reduced appetite and nausea. 
again that's been that, that that's been quiet and then the big thing is the head head and torso tremors the titubations um and haven't had those in a while so one of the things that happened so a few things changed one was that i went to see um my my dear practitioner noreen wallace um, <coughs> and she does integrative manipulative therapy and she discouraged me from using the term POTS, although the thing with POTS is as a working diagnosis, I did some things to help it and they worked. But she said she thought that a lot of my problem was biomechanical and she went about um, releasing my vagus nerve. So she did a lot of body work to straighten out my body, my hips and my head and my neck um, and straighten out my vagus nerve and even um, help to write some birth trauma. So that's interesting uh, because I was a C-section. So I was trying very hard to get out of my mother and was un unable to do it. I was a shoulder presentation. So she helped to, to fix that. So that's very interesting when you have a body worker who, who looks that far back and says, hey, the way you come, came out may be affecting your body at this time in your life. So she worked on that. And meanwhile, since that treatment, which was last Wednesday, I've been a lot better. I was a little lightheaded the next morning, and I would expect that because, you know, when you get body work, things have to reset. And then since then, I've been pretty good. I had a nice weekend. Um, I did, I rode on my bike. She said, go ahead and ride your bike, but only four miles. So it was raining on Saturday. So I rode four miles on the trainer. That's it. And I've been okay since. And then she said, you need rest in between. So I haven't gotten back on the bike. My intention is not to start getting back on the bike until after next weekend, because I want to keep my nervous system very quiet. I don't want to charge overcharge it too much because I'm planning to go to New Jersey to my high school reunion, which is very exciting. So I, that means I have to drive to New Jersey on Saturday and drive back on Sunday. So I want my nervous system to be quiet and calm when I get there. And so I'm going to continue to just walk. I'm, I'm walking and doing yoga. That's what I'm doing right now. And of course, some some meditation, but mostly, but I, I have this weekend, I took full yoga classes um, online um, and not just restorative. The restorative I've been doing right along, but um, I took a full vinyasa class on Saturday morning and a full vinyasa class yesterday morning. And depending on how I'm feeling this evening, I might take another one. Those are very easy to do online. Um, so I'm very pleased with that, continuing to walk. My knee's a little tweaky. I'm going to have physical therapy today. And so Olga will look at my knee and that's good. I have an acupuncture appointment scheduled for Friday. Always love my acupuncture. Um, so the other thing about the um, working diagnosis of POTS, there were some POTS things I was not doing. And that's that when I was drinking water, I was not putting electrolytes in. So now I've started doing that and that's what they recommend. And the thing is, the deal with POTS is that you're not getting your blood. Your blood is pooling in your lower extremities or and it's not getting up to your head where it needs to get. And that's why you get the symptoms where and, and mine are more orthostatic intolerance where I don't feel good standing up. And if I'm not in a flare, I don't feel like that. But if you put electrolytes in your water, that's less likely to happen. It, it, it A lot of people with POTS feel better when they have electrolytes in their water. So the electrolytes I'm using, I am not using electrolytes with any flavor or sweetener in it. I'm getting, I have a couple of brands of electrolytes that are intended for people who are on ketogenic diets because they have a hard time holding a lot onto their electrolytes. So it's just flavorless drops that have minerals in it and how they have some sodium, magnesium, some zinc, some potassium, and it's just in drop doses. And so I put maybe depending on the product, 
10 to 20 drops uh, in a glass, depending on how, how big the glass of water is. Right now I'm going with 10 drops uh, in about 10 drops in eight ounces, depending, again, depending on the product, you have to look at what the recommendations are for your particular product, but this is not, there's no sweetener. There's no flavor. Um, if you taste it straight, it's very salty, but you don't drink it. it you drink it very dilute. And so the salt and the other minerals help to, um, help to put the water back into circulation where you need it. So you get the water back up to your head. Um, so that's one thing I started doing. Another thing I started doing was I started taking real fish oil. I was only taking SPMs, um, so specialized um, specialized pro-resolving pro mediators, and that's the component of fish oil that does a lot of the resolving, the resolvins um, that do the wonderful anti-inflammatory stuff. Um, and I decided to take real fish oil so I can increase my omega-3 fatty acids. So I'm taking that as well. And the other thing I decided to take, because I think if I have pots, the kind of pots I have is hyperadrenergic, where you kick out too much epinephrine and norepinephrine and cortisol, because um, my blood pressure tends to go high, not low. Uh, and so I started taking um, an adrenal tonic. I mean, I was taking some adrenal herbs, but I'm taking a full-on adrenal tonic, and the adrenal tonic has rhodiola, ashwagandha, uh, eleuthero, and maca, and it might have something else in it. It might have Tulsi in it as well. I'm also drinking, I was, I've been drinking Tulsi tea at night, um, pretty much every night for a good long time, maybe a year or more. Um, but so I'm still doing that. And I'm also, I have ashwagandha gummies too. So I take a little bit of ashwagandha gummy at night and whenever I feel like it, so those were the big changes. So the big changes were um, taking the electrolytes, um, the uh, adrenal tonic, and taking real fish oil. And so the real fish oil is going to help to nourish my nerves and help rebuild nerves that, that are not necessarily, you know, that need rebuilding. And um, also to reduce inflammation. Because um, what brings on POTS, in my case anyway, is I think when I have acute inflammation, and it is quite possible that I did have Lyme disease and that brought on acute inflammation, and I've cycled through that, you know, and, you know, along with, with rest and all the supplements I've taken and herbs, um, I'm still taking Japanese knotweed and I'm still taking um, motherwort. Well, motherwort is good not just for Lyme disease. It's good for your heart, but it's also calming. Uh, it's good for blood pressure. So I'll be taking that for a long time. Um, so I'm still taking those things and I'm still taking berberine pinella detox. Um, and so, but I'm phasing out and I'm slowly phasing out the Lyme stuff and focusing on my vagus nerve and did a successful bike ride on Saturday and have not gotten pot symptoms back. So that's exciting. So, but I'm not going to mess with the bike until after New Jersey. So, and then we'll, we'll let you know how that goes. And as I said, at some point, it's probably a good idea for me to, um, to do a whole piece on pots and, and how to help that. All right. So there was some, there, there's, so what we're going to talk about today, first I want to talk about just the health benefits of vitamin C. That's always good to review. Um, and we're going to talk about certain herbs um, that are used for Lyme. And then we'll see how far we get. And uh, if we get far enough, then we'll start talking about um, uh, fat loss. Because that, that's going to be my, my next thing to talk about. All right. So let's start with talking about the health benefits of vitamin C, our friend vitamin C. Uh, vitamin C can help you in a lot of ways. Um, it's an essential vitamin, which means that you can't make it. 
Um, there are animals, there are mammals who do make vitamin C. We are not one of them. I think rabbits make vitamin C. Um, it is, it's water soluble. So it's very hard to get, to take toxic amounts. Although if you do take too much and you tend to get kidney stones, you can, um, you, you can increase your risk of getting kidney stones. Um, and so, um, it's found in a lot of fruits and vegetables. It's in oranges, strawberries, um, kiwi fruit. I need more support up my back here. Yeah, let's fix that. Um, and so it's very high in kiwi fruit. That's why kiwi fruits are so sour. Um, and, um, it's, uh, it's in bell peppers. It's in broccoli, spinach, and kale. Um, the, the RDA is very low. It's only 75 milligrams for women and 90 for men. Um, and when we give therapeutic doses, we take much higher doses. Um, people tend to turn to supplements to get their needs. Um, so, Vitamin C is thought to risk your uh, reduce your risk of chronic illness, uh, of different illnesses. It's a wonderful antioxidant that boosts the immune system. They protect um, they protect your cells from free radicals, and when they accumulate, they put you under oxidative stress. And vitamin C can in increase your blood antioxidant levels by at least thirty percent. So how cool is that? Um, it and it pushes. Vitamin C also pushes your white blood cells to work harder to, um, to go after microorganisms. Um, vitamin C can help with hypertension, so high blood pressure, which puts you at heart disease risk. Um, and heart disease is the leading cause of death globally. Vitamin C can help lower blood pressure. Um, there, it's been found that it helps to relax your blood vessels. Um, and that vitamin C supplements re can re it reduce your systolic blood pressure. That's the pressure, the, the top number in your blood pressure number, and that's the force at which your um, heart ejects blood from the left ventricle. So it lowers that. Um, and so, uh, that, and there's, there's some studies where there's actual numbers on how much that it gets lowered. Um, so there's promising results there. Um, and so, because vitamin C, vitamin C is going to also lower your blood pressure because it is part of, um, it's part of the structure of collagen and vitamin C is part of the structure of your blood vessels because they are made with collagen and they can, vitamin C can increase your blood vessel elasticity. So if you have more resilient blood vessels, the pressure going through is going to be lower. Um, and it can also lower your risk of heart disease in general. Um, there are some factors that supposedly increase your risk of heart disease, like high blood pressure. If your high, if your triglycerides are elevated or your LDL is expect, especially elevated, and if your HDL isn't very high, that can increase your risk of cardiovascular function. Um, vitamin C can help with all of those factors. So there was nine studies with, with um, almost 300,000 people found that after 10 years, people who took at least 700 milligrams of vitamin C a day, which is not a huge amount, um, although it's much higher than the RDA, had a 25% lower risk of heart disease than those who didn't. Um, and there was another uh, analysis of 15 studies who found that when you eat vitamin C from foods, that's also linked to a lower risk of heart disease. But um, it's not clear if the vitamin C rich foods, the people who ate the vitamin C rich foods also ate healthy anyway and had a healthier lifestyle. So it's not clear if it's because of vitamin C or other things that they're doing. Because if you're living a healthy lifestyle, you may be eating lots of fruits and vegetables, might be getting exercise, you're, you're just paying attention to your health in general. So taking or consuming at least 500 milligrams of vitamin C a day 
is thought to decrease your risk of heart disease. Um, and if you're already eating a lot of vitamin C in your foods, taking a supplement may not help that much more. Um, now, vitamin C can also possibly reduce uric acid levels in your blood and therefore prevent gout attacks. So uric acid will rise when, you, when your body does, makes too much uric acid or doesn't excrete it well, you're more likely to get gout. And what's gout? Gout is where you have precipitation of uric acid out of, out of um, solution in your blood and, um, and you can get gouty stones and because the stones are too big to fit through your capillaries, they can get stuck places. And the classic place it gets stuck is in your big toe. So people will get it this big, and it's very inflammatory and painful. So it gets stuck in your big toe, and then you have to take supplement or you have to take medicine to reduce the um, uric acid until it goes away. And if you tend towards that, they give you either colchicine or they give you um, they give you euloric, um, or they give you allopurinol, um, and you can also take um, vitamin C can be helpful for reducing gout attacks, as can quercetin. Um, quercetin is a xanthine oxidase inhibitor, and xanthine oxidase is an enzyme that makes you produce uric acid. Um, so there are studies that show that vitamin C can reduce uric acid in your blood. There's another thing that can reduce uric acid in your blood, this water. The more water you drink, the more stuff that isn't supposed to come out of solution will stay in solution, including uric acid. People who eat the most vitamin C had lower, significantly lower levels of uric acid, which means that they may either be excreting it more or producing it less. And so there, there was a study of almost 47,000 healthy men over 20 to see if vitamin C was linked to developing gout and people who took a supplement had a 44% lowered risk. So that's really good. And there were another 13 studies that found that taking vitamin C over 30 days significantly reduced your blood uric acid. So I should have pretty low uric acid because I take vitamin C every day, at least a thousand milligrams or more. You're less likely to have iron deficiency if you take vitamin C and get adequate vitamin C because vitamin C increases your ability to absorb iron, which is very good. Um, it's one of the things that you want to make sure you're, and that's why people are like, take your iron supplement with some orange juice or with, you know, with a kiwi fruit or something like that. Um, and if you just consume a hundred milligrams of it, it doesn't have to be that much. So you can eat your kiwi fruit. If you have kiwi fruit and you have some other fruit during the day and you eat a salad, you're going to get all that vitamin C and you're going to really increase your iron absorption. There were 65 children in a study with mild iron deficiency. They were given a C supplement and found that the supplement alone helped to control their anemia. So you have to remember that. It's not when somebody comes in and they just can't absorb their iron, don't just give them iron, give them vitamin C. And you can get iron supplements that have vitamin C in it. Um, as we said, vitamin C boosts immunity. People like to take it. During the pandemic, people were encouraged to take more vitamin C regularly. And I generally encourage people to make sure that they're getting adequate vitamin C, whether from food or supplements. Um, it helps to you to produce white blood cells, both lymphocytes and phagocytes like monocytes, um, which help protect the body against infection. So lymphocytes are the white blood cells um, that um, that can be turned into um, antibodies. They can get encoded to fight specific um, uh, specific 
uh, proteins in your blood. So they'll, they can be encoded to go after specific bacteria and specific viruses. Phagocytes, uh, the monocytes uh, in your blood are phagocytic. That They go around, they just eat stuff. They eat debris and get stuff out of your system. And they're much more nonspecific. So monocytes, they're monocytes when you're in your blood and when they leave the blood and go into your tissues, they're called uh, macrophages. And so vitamin C encourages their function. Um, vitamin C helps the blood cells function more effectively and also protects them from damage by harsh, by harmful molecules. So um, when white blood cells are doing damage to, um, to microorganisms and cleaning up dirt and stuff, they are exposed to oxidative damage. So if you have adequate vitamin C on board, you're going to get more mileage out of all your white blood cells. They're not going to break down as well, as quickly. Uh, vitamin C also can shorten wound healing time. There's probably, and there's probably a number of reasons for that because macrophages, as we said, they go and they clean up the damage. Um, and if there's bacteria in the area, there's going to be white blood cells that are going to go to clean up that bacteria and vitamin C is going to push those to work better. Vitamin C is also going to help with the strengthening of the blood vessels. So you're going to be more likely to have healthy clotting and um, healthy rebuilding of blood vessels in a wound. So there's a few ways that the vitamin C is going to work. And also, of course, vitamin C um, is part of collagen. It, it, is, uh, it helps to encourage collagen formation. So if you have to rebuild collagen in a wound, vitamin C is going to help with that. Vitamin C, if you don't have a lot of vitamin C, you're just not going to be as healthy. Um, people who get pneumonia tend to have lower vitamin C levels. And if you then take vitamin C and you have pneumonia, you might get better quicker. So we all, we're always telling people, if you get any kind of a respiratory infection to increase your vitamin C, we have people take a, you know thousands of milligrams more than they, they take every day. So vitamin C has also been shown to help your memory and cognition, which is really great. Um, so dementia is a broad term used to describe a lot of um, symptoms of memory and cognition and affects over 35 million people all over the world. Um, and oxidative stress and inflammation in the brain, spine, and nerves um, can increase your risk of dementia. And vitamin C as an antioxidant can, um, can help you with memory and cognition. And conversely, if you're low in these, you might not have as good memory and cognition. Um, so if you get your vitamin C from food or from supplements, it helps with your thinking and memory as you age. So, you know, like I said, I, I'm taking a couple of, um, nice vitamin C with bioflavonoids in it a couple of times a day. Um, and vitamin C can aid against conditions like dementia if you don't get enough from your diet uh, and that needs to be studied more. So. There's some claims about vitamin C that are supposedly unproven, like that it prevents the common cold. I don't know that can prevent it, but it probably can help you get out of it faster. Um, it reduces your cancer risk. That's, um, that, that's, again, that's unclear. Having a lot of antioxidants on board is probably helpful, and vitamin C is going to be one of them. Protection against eye disease. Um, there's some links to uh, diseases like cataracts and macular degeneration, um, but that's that's not clear either. My understanding now, I was told by at a conference, one of my teachers said that vitamin C can reduce your um, your intraocular pressure, so that if you have glaucoma or you have not quite glaucoma, but your intraocular pressure is actually increased, um, that you may. Um, 
that, that, that you may, it, it can decrease your intraocular pressure. So it can help if you are diagnosed with glaucoma. I'm not 100% clear about that, but that is something I was told at a conference of somebody who's probably getting that from research. So I encourage people who have glaucoma to, to make sure that their vitamin C levels are adequate. And then there's lead toxicity. Um, so people with lead toxicity tend to have low vitamin C levels, but it, it's not clear that vitamin C can help you uh, detox your, um, your lead. Um, it's probably going to help with the oxidative stress that lead toxicity can cause. So, so that's a good thing to know. All right, so very good. So that's, um, that's vitamin C has a lot of benefits, boosts your antioxidant levels, lowers your blood pressure, can protect against gout, improve your iron absorption, help your immunity, help, against, help protect against heart disease and dementia, help you to build collagen, help with wound peeling. It does a lot of things. And don't forget, one of the places that you have a lot of collagen is your gums. So if somebody comes in and they're having issues with their gums and they have gingivitis, or for whatever reason, their gums are bleeding, one of the things you consider is, are they inadequate in vitamin C? If they're having trouble eating for some reason or absorbing, it could be a vitamin C issue. So... So that's your, that's vitamin C. That's a nice thing. All right. So here's kind of a funny thing before we get into the lime herbs. Let's talk about this funny thing that's trending. I want to get into more health items that are trending because I'm finding that there are more interesting health things that a lot of people are talking about. And part of that is TikTok, right? So everybody's got to look at TikTok, right? And there's things on TikTok. I mean, anything you can think of is on TikTok, right? So um, anyway, there's a big trend on TikTok that I thought was interesting because I'm very, very interested in stress reduction. And that is, wait for it, bed rotting. So let's talk about bed rotting. This is hilarious. And apparently it was invented by Gen Z. It is a self-care trend. Um, and so it's all over TikTok. And that, it, it's just you're staying in bed for lots of time, not to sleep, but to do passive activities. It's popular. Um, among people who are in Gen Z because they feel like they're burnt out. They have family demands, school, work, social engagements. Um, you know, it can benefit some people in the short term. I think I'm guilty of this because I do like to lounge around in my bed and not when I'm just ready for sleep. I will stay in bed. I love to stay in bed and read. I like to be in my bed um, and play little video games. And by the way, if you're curious about what video games I play, I'm not into like role-playing video games. I mean, my favorite video games, I play, I admit, I play Candy Crush. One thing that I've found that's very relaxing that I've been doing lately is I found a puzzle, just a jigsaw puzzle game um, that you can play on your phone. And I found that it's easier to play the jigsaw puzzle game if I have a stylus. And it's really relaxing. And the nice thing about this game is there's no charge to it and um, you don't have to pay for it. And... Um, there's no commercials. So you just do your puzzle and it lets you take as long as you want to do your puzzle. It's not timed or anything. And you do your puzzle and when you're done, you have a pretty puzzle. And then it stores the puzzles you've done and says, these are the puzzles you've done and you can look at them and they're all pretty pictures. And it's very relaxing and fun to do. And the puzzle game, um, you know, you can choose the difficulty. I've been tending to do 100 pieces, and you can do less than that or more than that. And I might try to do more than that and see how, how I, if I enjoy that. Um, 100, I feel like, is challenging enough, and yet um, it, it's challenging, and yet it is, um, 
it, it doesn't take too, too long to do it. Hey, I just saw, I'm realizing something funny. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, I'm leaning against uh, a pillow and it's vertical and the pillow has little um, knobs sticking out in the corners and it makes it look like I have cat ears. It's very funny. Okay. Um, so anyway, so I've been finding that that's, that's nice. And I also, for stress reduction and because I've had the autonomic issues, I found that reading and I'm really enjoying reading and I'm enjoying reading for pleasure. So I'm not necessarily reading uh, for um, things that I'm interested in. I'm reading just stories. And one of my favorite authors is Janet Ivanovich. I love her because her books are interesting, adventuresome, a little bit sexy and funny. And I need the funny. The funny is key. Um, and her books, again, are short enough and long enough. And I'm almost done with the set Stephanie Plum series. I'm about to begin number 28, and she's only written 30. And I'm, I'm going to be finished with those. Um, and I've read almost all of her books. Well, all of her non... She wrote romance novels before she wrote, like, Stephanie Plum and Alexandra Barnaby and um, Night and Moon. I haven't read the two Night and Moons. That's going to be next. I'm going to return Motormouth, which I read the two Alexandra Barnabys, which were adorable, which she wrote 20 years ago. Um, but I really enjoyed them. Those I like those two because I know she lives. In, she's been living in Florida for at least 20 years. She lives in Naples, and she um, and, and so those two, the Alexandra Barnaby was set in Florida, so that was enjoyable. Um, and you know she has Stephanie, who was um, Stephanie Plum is a somewhat inept. Um, bounty hunter that, that's what she does she's a, a, a she goes and gets people who fail to appear and and she has a best friend and sidekick Lula who's hilarious and uh, she has a, a sexy boss named Connie and a crazy boss <laughs> named Vinny and it's it's great it, it, and it's really hilariously funny and I'm through <sighs> I'm about to read book number 28 and I'm gonna you know I'm, I'm gonna be done with Stephanie Plum soon. Very sad. Uh, but the point is that I found that reading paper books um, is very relaxing and it's more relaxing than reading on my tablet. I mean, I do sometimes get a book on my Kindle, but um, I, I find that reading on a paper book is not stressful to my eyes. Uh, and, you know, so that if you have autonomic weirdness, sometimes um, too much light can be a problem. Uh, and you know, having to approximate letters on out of pixels can be a problem, and so um, I'm finding that reading for reading on paper books is helpful, and so that I don't have to buy lots of books, I've engaged with my public library, which is wonderful, and you know we have a terrific public library in Mansfield, and the thing, and if they don't have a book, they are connected to most of the library. I don't know. I'm not sure what how far-reaching. The library network is but they didn't one of the books i just read um they don't have it they don't stock it at mansfield so they got it from colchester and i had another one that they didn't have in stock and it came from enfield so they go very far afield you know there's a there's a network of libraries um, that are in the area and i think you can use your mansfield library card in any library that's in the network so if i feel like you know, traveling to, to the library in Scotland or in Lebanon just for fun or Colchester, um, I can take out a book from there. So just, just know that that's a thing and that it is very relaxing to read books on paper. And if you're going to bed rot, 
bed rotting with a paper book is a great thing. Just get yourself really cozy and comfy. The other thing I do in bed that's real important is there are, um, I, I like to do yin and restorative yoga. And um, my favorite online yoga teacher is Cassandra. And she has relaxing yoga stretches and yin yoga that you can do right in bed. And you could do, probably do most yin yoga in bed, but she has... She has ones where she'll present to you and she's sitting in bed. She has a couple where she's actually on her bed doing the, um, the the flow for you. And then there's others where she's on the floor, but she says you can do this in bed. So just know that that yin stretchy yoga um, that's seated or lying, you can do right in your bed. It's another way to bed rot. And that, that is a constructive way to bed rot because when you're doing stretches and you have the support of the mattress, it can make a lot of the poses more comfortable. You have padding under your knees whether your um, knee is facing upright or whether your knee is down. Um, so that's another really nice thing you can do. Um, so so I definitely am somebody who spends time cozying in bed. Um, and we watch our, you know, we watch our TV in the evening in bed. Um, and, you know, we don't watch TV for long because we don't get the TV on till not too far be, before our bedtime, which is probably not the best thing, but we don't seem to have trouble falling asleep after... Uh, after watching stuff we're we're sad because we just finished um season two of strange new worlds which is our current favorite star trek um so we're hoping for season three there's got to be a season three because season two ended on a cliffhanger ah so and um i can't remember what's his name um chris christopher pike's um partner his girlfriend but she's got gorn eggs in her, which is horrible. If I'm spoiling this, I'm so sorry. Um, but she's got gorn eggs in her, and Christine Chapel, Nurse Chapel, is determined to save her. So um, she's put her, putting her in some kind of a suspended animation field, and she's going to work on her. And so the other thing that's cool about this show is that Nurse Chapel, you know, Nurse Chapel in the original series was really kind of a subservient. Mm regular old registered nurse and she was um, subservient to the um, to the doctors in it. I can't believe you're talking about this on your show. Yeah, why not? It's something I'm interested in. Maybe people will get interested in it. <laughs> and, and I watch it for stress reduction. So, because I enjoy it. So, mm -hmm. anyway, the thing about Nurse Chapel in Strange New Worlds is she's a bad A and she's much more like an APRN. She's got uh, she's a researcher. She's brilliant, um, and she's more of an equal to Doctor Mbenga, who's the the doctor in the in this show. And um, you know, she functions like like an APRN. So APRN is Advanced Practice Registered Nurse. And in the state of Connecticut, I think you still have to be under the auspices of an MD, but you don't necessarily have to be in the same facility. So we have a lot of APRNs who practice. Um, they have a formulary and they practice um, primary care, um, or they, they can practice in any specialty. So I feel like Nurse Chapel is more of an APRN. She's an advanced practice nurse, and she's about to go do her fellowship with Roger Corby, and we all know how that wound up. Anyway, if you're curious about what happened with Roger Corby, you can read up about the original series. It was sad. And, uh, you know, she and Spock are a thing right now. Oy. Anyway, so let's get back to bed rotting. <laughs> so... Red bed rotting, um, so it's important to indulge in self-care, and I'm all about the self-care right now. That's the only way I'm going to get through my autonomic weirdness. Um, 
and you know my job is stressful and I need to counterbalance that stress with things that lower stress and so exercise yesterday I probably overdid it for more than what my body can handle right now but I just wanted to be outside so badly um, and I wanted to take a nice yoga class in the morning so I did and um, then I really wanted to be outside for a decent amount of time and I wanted to be outside at a time of day when the temperature was nice so I had a nice middle of the day walk and, and took beautiful pictures of along the Willimantic River um, and so you know my self-care involves being in nature doing yoga doing meditation eating healthfully um, and definitely reading for pleasure uh, paper books that I get from the library so those are those are my big things um, and they're really helpful for me um, so uh, so bed rotting. Um, so a lot of social media users uh, have this new booming trend, um, which is staying in bed for extended periods, not to sleep, but, but do activity like eating snacks, watching TV, scrolling through devices. And I'm looking at this going, I do that. I've been doing all that. I didn't know it had a name. And I'm also old. You know, I'm going to be 60 in, oh my God. in a month and a half. And, and I'm, I'm living with rotting. a 60-year-old lady? Yeah. But mm. you're 68. Ah, that's different. How is that different? I don't know. Look, I have nice skin. Because I don't, I don't think I'm 68. See, I, I don't know if this nice skin is because of the filter I have on or because I actually have nice skin. <laughs> no, you have nice skin. Not sure. Um, you yeah, do. I have long telomeres and I take a lot of antioxidants. So mm. anyway, so, so bed rotting is popular with Gen Z who feel burnt out from work, school, family, social engagements. Um, and the TikTok has over 30 million, uh, 130 million views. So let's, so you should go and look at it. I'm gonna do the same thing. Um, so what are the benefits? Bed rotting definitely has its perks because, you know, stress reduction. I'm always telling my patients that one of the most important, the main thing that I treat in my practice is stress. It really is. And I'm just really thinking about, do I wanna have a, a program that's just for treating stress or do I wanna just focus on treating people's stress and that's all and um because treating my own stress you know you tend to treat what what goes on with you and i tend towards anxiety and i have a condition i have probably hyperadrenergic um pots maybe i mean i'm using it as a working diagnosis and so reducing my cortisol is a life goal life goals hashtag life goals, um, is to lower my cortisol. So, and that's why things like ashwagandha and eleuthero and rhodiola um, and tulsi, those are all great herbs to do that. Um, and so um, bed rotting is helpful, they say, in small doses. It can calm your body, help ease stress and exhaustion, especially if you're working long hours or you're in physically or mentally demanding jobs. Um, and it's a great way to recharge your batteries. Um, so because it's recognized as a way to relax, it helps people feel like they have permission to lay around. I'm always telling people to lay around. And when people tell me that they've been laying around, what do I do? I cheer for them. I think it's a good thing. I have so many of my patients who cannot sit still. Ron is one of them. Although to be fair, if you see where I'm sitting, um, you know, the, those funny, cushions called they're called a husband they have they're cute and they have um you know two little arms at either end and a pillow behind 
he put the husband we had it it was in the other room uh, on the we have a seating sitting area at our french window in our bedroom um, and it was sitting there so i could lounge there but he moved the husband here because he moved a uh, futon in here that's not set up for sleeping it's set up as a couch and he now this is his little man cave and he likes to take naps in here so he has the husband in here so he can so he doesn't tend to bed rot as much as i do he couch rots <laughs> and i tend to want to spend more time in the bed when i want to sit down and take my and put my feet up i tend to go into the bedroom that's where i tend to go um and we have two bedrooms and i must say i really ought to spend more time in the second bedroom because it's really bright in there our our bedroom our main bedroom is dark you know it has dark green carpeting and has green walls and it faces <coughs> south no faces west faces west yes. so it doesn't get as much light and, and the windows face west and uh north so it does it doesn't get a lot the windows don't get a lot a light into that room the windows in this room as you I have the we have the shades drawn because it affects the um the cameras for what i'm where i'm talking to you um so it, so this this room is south facing and then the other bedroom is south facing and has white walls so it's very bright in there and it gets it gets warmer in there which is not such a nice thing in the summer but it's a wonderful thing in the winter it's almost like it's a sunroom so i had to spend more time in there you know just reading and stuff um and the, the time that i tend to sleep in there we all I, I don't like to sleep away from ron but i will if we're sick if one of us is sick and we're trying to keep the other from getting sick and we only ever started doing this over COVID when we were afraid that one of us had COVID and the other didn't. And then once we both had COVID, we said the heck with it and got back together because Dr. LaGuardia said we could. Um, so recharging your batteries is really good for you. Um, and our society puts too much emphasis on being busy and productive all the time. I tend to think of this as a New England thing, the people in New England, how can I use this minute to be productive? and people overdo that stuff um and if you never have time to rest um you're you have you're you're not going to lower your cortisol you're going to have more issues with um um you're going to have more issues with um We had a we had an interruption because um, Ron tried to sign into an account. So, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so that's okay. Um, so, um, so bed lounging has in small doses. It has bed lounging can calm your body, help ease stress and exhaustion, um, especially if you're working long hours and in demanding roles, and you can recharge your batteries. And like I said, new in New England, I talk to so many people who just feel like they, they just can't sit sit still. They don't sit still well. When I suggest that they, um, when I suggest that they um, meditate, they're like, I can't meditate because uh, they can't sit still. And I, what I tend to tell people who say I can't meditate is I say, well, try first try Yin Yoga or restorative yoga because because it's meditative and you're actually doing something. And the other thing is that the other thing I can encourage them to do is guided meditation, where they're listening to something and they're listening to somebody um, telling them you, you know how to breathe and how to meditate and, and go through it. So um, anyway, so. 
the, so the term bed rotting, it can benefit people in the short term, but could be a concern if it lasts more than a couple days. Um, it could be a sign of depression. I think it depends on how long you're spending in bed. If you're pairing the bed rotting with good exercise and meditation and other healthy practices, it's probably not a big deal. I don't want people to worry that if they bed rot too much that, um, that now they're depressed. If you're depressed, you're depressed. And bed rotting, I think, should be a separate issue. Um, if you spend too long in bed, um, you could reduce the time you're spent connecting with friends or loved ones. Well, yeah, but again, if you're burnt out from that and then you're spending time in bed to, to calm yourself down from it, I mean, I think you have to take that on a case-by-case basis. Uh, and this this person says less is more. I'm concerned about the person who's saying that less is more is one of those people who are like, you should be productive all the time. Uh, I think it really depends on what you do and what you're doing and how much... Um, if this is a avenue for you to get into a place where you're doing less and you're doing less stuff and it is relaxing for you and you feel recharged after, I think it's perfectly fine. If you're spending too much time in bed and you're depressed, then you have to look at other things. Are there things that you're not doing that could make you less depressed? Like, are you not eating well? Are you not getting your exercise? I mean, I get a lot of ex exercise is a, a big um, priority for me. So, um, and then I have a lot of stuff that I have to do. And so if I, you know, lounge in my bed for a bit, I, I don't mind it. Um, can it affect your sleep? I, again, only if you're lounging too much. If you're laying around too much and you're not get, you're not doing anything else, then yes, I think it can affect your sleep. Um, there are people who say you should only have the bed be a place for sleep and intimacy. Um, but And if you associate your bed only with sleep, you won't have as much tr trouble falling asleep at night. But that it's doesn't... I know it's not a not for us no and if we feel like lying down we lie down and you know me sitting in my bed reading my book I, I mean I think I don't overdo it I don't overdo the bed rotting thing so I think it's okay um, but that can be an issue if somebody has insomnia and then they spend too much time in bed your body could get confused and not um, not get to sleep uh, right away so it can be a problem if you do it right before bedtime. If you're doing things like working or watching a show. Now, working in bed, that's something I won't do. I, I don't do, I, I mean, I might read an article in bed, but mostly I don't do that. that. That's true, I do read articles in bed, but I don't do that a lot. I don't do that all the time. Um, when I'm in bed, I'm doing relaxing things. Um, and it, there are those who think that you should really find a comfortable spot outside the bedroom. But I don't, I know people take their laptops into their bedroom and they do work in their bedroom. I, I don't do that. If I have to do work, I do it either at my office or at my laptop, which is in another room. I, I'm not, I don't like, I know it's called a laptop, but I do not like having a computer in my lap. And that's that's because I'm old. I know that uh, <laughs> that younger people do that. I also have a big laptop. I have an old laptop, and it's probably time for me to get a new laptop, one that's nice and light. And I'm finding that whenever I travel, that the laptop is getting heavier, and that I I it really was underscored to me. I went to a conference in April, and I saw the laptops that my colleagues were using, and they were about half the size of mine and much lighter. And I'm like, ooh. I, my laptop is good 10, 15 years old, and I have a wonderful geek, uh, shout out to Steve Murphy, 
who keeps my laptop in wonderful running condition. So even though the, the body is big and old, it's got, you know, wonderful hardware inside. So it's running really well and very useful. Um, so if you are relaxing and you have depression, bed rotting may not improve your symptoms. Um, and you may not get out of the mind state you were in. I think, again, I really think that depends what you do. If you are, if part of your bed rotting involves yoga or meditation, it doesn't matter that you're doing it in the bed. And in fact, I enjoy doing yoga nidra in bed because the bed is so comfortable and I enjoy doing stretching in bed. So it really depends what you do. Um, it could start off as self-care, but turn into getting less, becoming less productive. This is something, again, these doctors are worried about this. Okay, so here's how you bed rot in a safe way. Um, so make sure you spend your rest time. This is what I was saying. Spend your rest time doing uh, meditating, gentle yoga, journaling, or instead of things that can bolster anxiety or dissatisfaction. Like, don't, I don't think it's a good idea to work in bed. Uh, you can set time limits if you want to. I'm not doing that. If I, I mean, if I'm in bed doing an activity, it's either because it's the end of the day or because I'm in between tasks. So, all right, I just folded the laundry. I have um, a yoga class in half an hour. So I'm going to sit in my bed and I'm going to do a jigsaw puzzle or I'm going to read my book. That That's fine. Um, so bed rotting can give you temporary relief. Um, you don't want it to be a daily... Oh, it says don't. They don't want you to give it... a make it a daily habit <sighs> again I think it's how and how you use it if you bed so-called bed rot and you feel happier because of it then there's no problem if you're lying in bed too much because you're depressed the problem is not the bed it's the depression so I mean if you are lounging in bed because you want to rest and the rest is effective um, and you're not overdoing it and you're happier because of it, then I think there's a problem. So, um, all right. So anyway, I, this is, this is one of those things where, well, Gen Z has figured out that they need more rest and that we need more rest in general. And you know what? I am thrilled because, um, I'm always telling people, uh, talking to people about how they're doing too much stuff and how they are, um, you know, you know they're just, they're, they don't have to accomplish things 24-7. I have so many people I have to talk down from the other direction that if some people have discovered that their bed is a safe, comfy place to be and they have things that they like to do to relax in it, that's great. And if you're spending too much time in bed because you are depressed and you're not exercising and you're not eating right and you're eating only junk food, the problem is not the bed. The problem is those other behaviors. And that's that's what you have to look at. Um, so, But if you like your bed and you want to you know, do activities that make you happier in bed, like some exercise, like gentle yoga or uh, meditation, I think that's fine. So that's interesting. I, I, you know, Gen Z is like, let's, let's put it out there that people do too much stuff and that we need an antidote to that. And so they have this, this cute term called bed rotting and they made a whole TikTok about it. And there's 130 million views. So all these people are interested in this. There's a reason for that. So, all right. So we're going to get started on talking about, um, about Lyme disease. I'm, I'm going to start talking about a couple of herbs. And we don't have a lot of time yet left, so we're going to continue this next week. 
So here's the first herb I want to talk about, and it is cryptolepis. So cryptolepis I didn't know about until a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, and cryptolepis is this interesting plant. Um, it's a medicinal plant, and um, and it's been used in African traditional medicine for centuries. This is probably why I hadn't heard of it before. Um, and it's been used in the last, because Stephen Buhner, may he rest in peace, and um, other um, other people who treat Lyme disease have started using cryptolepis more. Um, so cryptolepis is also known as kadza. It, it has different different names. I'm guessing that kadza is um, Shona from Zimbabwe. Uh, it sounds like a Shona word, but I'm, I'm not 100%. Don't quote me on that because I, I have to look that up. And and because it's, it grows in Africa, it grows in different com countries. So it's called Kadza, Namiba, and Gengamau. And um, its uh, botanical name is Cryptolepis sanguinolenta, which means something to do with the blood. Or it makes, maybe it slows down the blood. Lenta is going to be slow. Sanguine is the blood. Um, and it's native to West and Central Africa. It's found in tropical mountainous regions. It's found in um, rainforests and um, wooded areas. Um, it's thin-stemmed and it's vine-like, uh, and it's also called flowering, the flowering healer. Um, the root of the plant is yellow, which is why it's often called the yellow dye root herb. Um, the roots, leaves, and stems have historically used been in African medicine for many centuries to help fight against a lot of microbes and a lot of infections, and cryptolepis and, extra, and its active components are being studied. Um, and it has a lot of good compounds in them, has, uh, if you want to know the pharmacognosy. It's got alkaloids and flavones and tannins and anthocyanocytes, which is great, so it has antioxidants in it, has chloroform in it, and has polyurinides. Um, and uh, the benefits, it has cryptolepine, and it helps human health in a lot of different ways. Um, it has pharmacological properties that can help your body prevent and manage conditions. Um, and it's, it's definitely antimicrobial. Um, it fights against a lot of different microbes. It's um, been used for malaria, which means if you can use it for malaria, that means that um, in our country, malaria is coming into the U.S., um, but we haven't seen it up here. We do see babesiosis up here, so it's going to be helpful. It's one of the herbs you can use for babesiosis, one of the tick-borne illnesses. Um, so there's a lot of my modern scientific studies that back the use of cryptolepis. Um, there was a study in Ghana um, at where they used it for malaria, and it helped them clear help clear them of the parasites. It can help to manage inflammation. Um, it has anti-inflammatory properties. Helps to lower various um, inflammation uh, inflammatory compounds, uh, and helps to uh, helps with inflammatory com compounds. It balances inflammation levels in the immune cells of the central nervous system. May also help to balance your blood sugar. Great, that's really helpful. Um, it, it has. Uh, it can help to reduce blood sugar in people who are high, um, and it helps to moderate glucose absorption and transport. It can also help you to have a healthier immune response. Um, it tends to be effective in modulating immune responses that can be helpful with a lot of different conditions. Um, research suggests that phytochemical compounds can help to inhibit DNA synthesis uh, and act as a potential immuno, immune effect to, so that the DNA isn't reproduced in microorganisms. So 
Um, there's, uh, I, and this this source here isn't talking about how it's used for tick-borne illness, but I will say it is used a lot for uh, babesiosis, and it's also used for Lyme disease. It's uh, so I started using it more in people with those conditions. I my go-to's used to be Andrographis cat's claw, Sarsaparilla, and Redroot, which I still use, um, but I, I've started to use more Cryptolepis as well. Um, it's been used in African medicine for centuries to prevent and treat infections. It has great plant chemicals. It's immune modulating, protective to the liver, and reducing blood sugar. And it assists a lot of organs and systems in your body. Um, and you can get help and advice about that from your friendly local herbalist or naturopathic physician. So that's enough for today, I think. All right. So I'm going to I'll go back to talking about more... Um, Lime Stuff next week. You have been listening to Radio Naturopath, the talk show about health and natural medicine. I am Fran Storch, ND, naturopathic physician, with my co-host, Ron Manissa. Yep. You can email me with questions and comments at radionaturopath at gmail.com. If you'd like to listen to this show at another time, you can check out our podcast at whus.org, iTunes, and Spotify. You can also leave questions or comments at my Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram at Fran Storch, ND. The views expressed on this program do not reflect the views of the staff, management, or licensee of this station. The information presented on this show should not be construed as medical advice or direction. If you're having a medical condition, please consult with your physician. Thank you for listening to Radio Naturopath, your show where you can learn about the best of science and nature. We'll be back with more Radio Naturopath next week at 91.7 FM, WHUS stores, and whus.org. <laughs>